Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Well, hello. Welcome into College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott, one of the co-hosts of the show. We're here on a Tuesday uh, evening, a little different day. Again, we're going to get back to Mondays here at some point, but um, we just have real-world things going on. And we have to record on Tuesday, but certainly happy to be here. I want to welcome in my co-host, our co-host, Chris Petroselli. Chris, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening? I'm doing good, Matt. Ready to, ready to go, ready to do the show. Been waiting, ready to go here <laughs> for a couple of days, so uh, let's do it. Yeah, so let's preview the show. We got Shels Hyman coming on as our guest, which uh, you did a great interview with him. We're certainly looking forward to listening to him. He's obviously the head coach at Grand Canyon, was a head coach at FC Dallas, a head coach at SMU, and, and so on and so forth. Just, I think, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, college soccer and, and really really United States soccer coaches we've had in our country. And so many people are, are linked back to, to him and, and his career and certainly uh, excited to get him on our show for sure. Yeah. And, and, and we talked about uh, that some in the interview and uh, you know, the guy's in three hall of fames. So he's, <laughs> he's doing something right, you know, yeah. along with winning 500 games and all of that, you know, so uh, that, that, that's a, that'll be an enjoyable listen for sure. Yeah, great. And then the Power Five this week is uh, the top five female recording artists. So there should be some fun with that one. Uh, I enjoyed uh, coming up with my five, so I'm sure it'll be better than yours, but we'll see. Um, Like usual, you'll mess it up. Uh, But I will say say that coming up with my cartoon characters last week was more fun. than coming up with the uh, female recording artists. Really? So see, you know, I'm... I know, but I, you do, and not surprising. But I'm a I'm a ballad guy. I like a nice, nice, sweet song, or musical. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Really, all is, these talents is that you big have. I mean, yes, yes, yes. Um, but uh, before we get to, we're gonna we're, we're gonna bring in a new feature to this first part. But before we get to, I have a, I have a complaint, Chris. I have a complaint. Oh God. So have you noticed? You know, I'm a big Twitter guy. You know, active on Twitter, got a ton of followers. Uh, people like to know what, you know, I feel like people want to know what I have to say. But one of the things that really bothers me, really, really bothers me, Go ahead. really yeah. bothers me is this new marketing strategy. I don't know what you call it, but these people that are doing graphics of games and they put just the school logo. And there's so many that I see that I don't know what the school is. Like I looked at one today, right? And I'm not going to name the schools. But I and I feel like I I have a good handle on a lot of this. With thirty years in college athletics, I feel like I have a good handle on a lot of schools. But yeah. they the, the the team won, and then they had little tiny little picture of the other team's mascot. I had no idea who it was. Didn't know who it was. It was like a it was like like a pelican or something stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, how how are you supposed to know what that is? You know, uh, that's funny. Uh, that's funny. I, I get it. Uh, that makes yeah, sense. It's that annoying, right? Like some, I mean, no offense, yeah. but some of the smaller schools that maybe not as well known, maybe you just put their name under the, put their under name the on it, right? Yes. Put yeah. Why, why these, 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 these marketing and whatever people get paid a lot of money to come up with these ideas. Yeah. Sometimes they're just a failure. And, and to me, that's a failure and it continues. Everybody's doing uh, it. Drives me crazy. The digital marketing experts are there to you. They're not experts. 
They're not. They're not. They're str- They're making it. They're making it harder. And people keep changing the mascots too. Don't forget about that. that I mean, here at Ole Miss, we've changed a few yes. times. So, yeah, but, but for what, for good what reason. Are you now? What are, are you? Are you the Land Sharks or the? No, we've always been the Rebels, but our our Rebels, but our mascots changed a little bit. We were the Brown Bear, and now we're the Land Sharks. It's, you know, we're rolling. We were that brown bear was our mascot. We weren't the brown bears. You, the brown bear was a mascot, and you changed that to a shark? Land shark. And why is that? Well, it, it's too long to tell, but it's about the football team. They were great in defense. They called themselves the land sharks. and I don't That's know. Right. It's, yeah, we, we roll. But anyway, That's all right. right. So here's our, new, here's our new segment that I'm very excited about. Yeah. So as most of our listeners know, I'm the, the happy-go-lucky guy in the show, and Chris is the Eeyore Sometimes he's a little down and negative and whatever. So what I said to him, I said, Christian, we got to spruce up this first part. So from now on, at the beginning of each segment, we're going to have, tell me something good. Okay. Tell me something good. So what, what good thing happened this week or did you see or did you read or did you watch? Tell me something good, Chris. So I'm putting you on the spot. You have yeah. one, then I'll have one. You're going to love this one. You're gonna okay. Love this one. You're gonna <laughs> okay. Here we go. First one ever, remember. This is the first yes. one ever. Okay. Go for I it. watched... Matt Mott's Ole Miss Rebels beat Memphis last night. Oh, that's a pretty good one. So, wait, I told you about this like four or five, six days ago. Yeah. And we played last night, and it took yeah. you that long to come up with one? Actually, yeah, I, it took me until about five minutes before we started the show to come <laughs> up with that one. <laughs> so you're taking a lot of effort into this first segment piece that I've come up with, my idea. Yeah. Of course, my idea, you're not putting nothing a lot of time. Was, you know, nothing was jumping out at me, you know what I mean? Okay. There's a lot of, like, good things, but I, need, I needed, you know, the first one, I needed something to grab, you know, I needed to Yeah, 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 that's good. You know I mean? So, you know, you know, mine's along those same lines, but not really. My good thing is Mississippi has opened up some of the outside – athletic venues so yes. now we're going to be able to have more people more fans in the stands no, that's our game so we have three more home games yeah three more soccer home games and we're going to be able to have fans in the stands so, so full, full capacity, you think? i don't know if the lettuce the university will let us but i think the the deal is you can have the outside venues you can have full capacity whether we'll be able to or not i don't know but i'm assuming we're going to go up from our 25 percent. so that's pretty exciting okay. i mean we we do good we have good crowds here so i'm hoping that um Today, oh, so you waited until the end to make your decision on. No, I, ha- I had a couple in the, I had a couple in the hopper, uh, but I went with that one. Went uh, with that one. Uh, All right, good. Uh, is it time we bring yes, him in? It's time for the big deal, Mr. Well, he was, <laughs> he was Mr. Three Hundred last week. Now he's Mr. Four and Oh. Right, <laughs> Coach Lee's team's rolling. He's got the Rice Owls clicking. He's, he's, he's. He's, as we like to call, popping and smacking the uh, Rice House run. So, uh, Coach Lee, welcome into the show. Well, hey, guys. Um, (laughs) Very, very interesting new uh, intro. I had not heard uh, any inklings of this beforehand. Yes. Um, Well, you tell us something good, Brian. Tell us something good that happened this week. I'll tell you something good just happened a second ago. I heard your your new intro, and I'm excited (laughs) about that. and before that, we got the history of the Ole Miss mascot, and I just have a couple questions about that. Are you are you the Lady Land Sharks? How does oh, that go? We're not. we're not. Are you the Lady Owls? I don't know. Dad, a Lady Owl might have another name. Is is an owl a male <laughs> owl? What's a 
mean, you should know this. Why are you asking us? You, you I don't should know. know it. It's your team. I don't it's know. It's your team. Yeah. But when yeah. they 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 say like, "Here come the Lady Land Sharks," what do they say? No, we just say, "Here, here come, come the, the Rebels." We say, "Here come the Rebels." Oh, so it's just the yeah. That makes sense. I know you're the Rebels. It's so the that's mascot. Just, so it's a it's a a Rebel Shark, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's like, think about the elephant for Alabama. Okay. Is it a roll tide elephant? Is it a know. war eagle tiger at Auburn? Yeah, like, come on, the come SEC on, can't figure anything out. Yeah, I guess that's it. No, I guess that's it. No, it's all very that's good. It. All right. Yeah. But they, both those things were good to me. Those are exciting. Okay. Those, those are exciting. Hey, let me, let me say this about uh, Brian and his team. His goalkeeper. Yeah, I scored more goals than most kids in the country. <laughs> he right? definitely has more points. Yeah. Well, what's exciting about it is they're both game winners. Yeah. So, oh. You know, to be fair, but yeah, it, it's entertaining. You know, we're entertainers, really. Sports is entertainment. Yeah. So, right now, she takes our free kicks, get a penalty. She's one of the kids who might take it. We'll see where the season goes. I told a couple of people the other day, maybe we'll have her take corners. She's a pretty fast runner. So uh, we'll see where it leads. I do have a bit of a complaint, Chris, about Conference USA. I, I got to okay. bring it up. All right. So I've watched, I think, three of Brian's games now at, yeah. at Rice. Yeah. Camera, camera guy was struggled. I told Brian he fixed it, got much better. Now I turn on Rice against UTSA, and they have very good camera, and they actually have a, a – Banner at the top that gives you the time and the score, like most tele, tele, um, telecasts. Then I watched FAU in Miami, right? Yeah. Another conference USA production. And mind you, we have to pay for this, which is fine. Yeah. You got to pay for ESPN. ESPN, you got to pay for them all. Your, I steal your subscription. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no problem. But so we don't have to pay for it. You have yeah, to pay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but why can't there be some sound? Yeah. I would take crowd crowd noise. Something, but there's nothing. It's dead silent. There's no, no volume. Like I, I think they could pay somebody twenty five bucks to be the broadcaster, couldn't they? Brian, you think you could take care of that? Could that be nice, Brian? For us, I don't know. It's something new every week with Matt that I got to go address <laughs> after. And can you do this? Can you do this? Like I don't have enough to do already. I got to pick up the phone it's, in the morning. It's about my comfort. <laughs> it's about my comfort watching the game. I enjoy the game. It's about my comfort. So. Uh, but anyway, I just that. anybody conference USA is listening, go ahead and add either either turn on the microphone so you can hear the crowd at least, or because then when somebody cheers, you know somebody may score, so you look at the TV. But anyway, all right, what we got for him, Chris? All right, here we go, Brian. Let's start in the Pac-12. Oh boy, um, kind of crazy. A couple of big, big upsets, right? I mean, I want to uh, first uh, Arizona State um, beating USC. Um, and and we all thought USC, and, and still may turn out to be you know a great team, but I don't think any of us saw that coming, did we? No, no. Um, one of the things that jumps out of me when you look at those games, you know, the Southern Cal getting beat Stanford. I'm sure you'll get to in a second. Yeah. Is you know those are some of the hotbeds for kids not being able to train. Yep. Really, you know, with the whole COVID, it it, it was as restrictive as anywhere in the country. And maybe here, especially early, we're seeing the difference between teams maybe that trained a little longer and more intensely and as a group and the, the teams that uh, did more real life sitting out. Yeah. 
Well, that, that, that gets me to Stanford. Uh, Stanford, you know, they, they lose on, uh, I believe, Thursday to Oregon. And we all think, man, Oregon must, must really have turned it around with a new coach and that kind of thing. And then they lose to Oregon State on Sunday. And you start going, well, maybe it wasn't Oregon. Maybe it's Stanford. Like, Stanford is the issue, right? So it, it's clear that Stanford has some issues at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I caught bits and parts of both. Um, they're not they're not normal Stanford. They don't look like to me across the board across the board athletically. But I'm sure they will get it turned around. You know, this the second loss I, I kind of felt bad for Oregon. Oregon has this yeah. great win, you know, a new yeah. coach, era defining, and then they turn around and lose to Oregon State as well. Yeah. You know, kind of pulled the rug from under them. Meanwhile, Cal's beating them both. So it's it certainly seems to be more of a Stanford issue than anything else. And and let's not forget, I mean, Stanford lost um, what was the best player in the country. And maybe you could argue one of the best players ever to play college soccer. In, in <laughs> Along with Germa, right, who, who uh, tore, uh, I believe, tore ACL and, and, and is out for the season and, and is a, a fantastic player as well. So. Like those aren't you can't replace those kind of players. I mean that you know you you can get good players, but replacing the best player who's ever played college soccer. I mean that's a that's a tough nut to crack. Well, yeah, and gonna, don't forget about gonna, don't forget about Sophie Schmidt. Yeah, he left yeah. early too, so he's yeah. probably counting on her. I would think she was only a freshman or whatever, you know. And now she's gone too, so they they yeah you know, they lost a bunch, no doubt. Yeah, and I guess as all of this is going on and all of these uh, upsets are are happening. Do you think the people in Tallahassee are smiling, watching <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> well, they're, they're smiling, getting ready to play a uh, couple NWSL teams down the yeah. road, get some teams on their level. Yeah. It's, it's really probably the uh, – they are, they are very happy. They get to play someone with a similar talent level That's right. um, this spring. That's right. Huh. My, my thing, though, my thing, though, seriously, okay, so, you know, there's some upsets around, right, and games are tight and whatever. And, and like Brian said, kids didn't get to train and, you know, teams are coming out having to play like conference games. I know you're going to get to the big 10, but like, again, it just goes back to how impressive Florida state with, they had all the same things when they started, they started an ACC schedule and they went 11 and Oh, yeah. not a blemish. Yeah. I mean, it's really impressive. Right. And you know, they had to, we all had restrictions in the fall too. And, and they came out just guns a blazing and rolled through their league. It's impressive. Yeah. No doubt. And back to the restrictions piece, and, and Brian, you mentioned mentioned it earlier, and certainly, you know, you have to believe that ha- that had some impact on Cal. I mean, on, on Stanford. But what about Cal? Cal mm-hmm. went to Oregon and Oregon State and won both of them. So, you know, the same schedule, uh, just on opposite days. And, you know, Cal and, and Stanford, I'm assuming, had relatively similar restrictions. Uh, they are different counties, but the, they're pretty close to each other. Um but Cal's the big winner for me in uh, in the in the weekend, winning those two games. Well, I, for me, the big winner is UCLA because Southern Cal lost and Stanford lost twice. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, sure, they had a decent win themselves, but to get that kind of margin uh, right out of the gate, that that's got to be super pleasing to UCLA. Yeah. All right, let's move into the Big Ten. I just want to get your opinion on on the Big Ten a little bit in that. Um, everybody just keep they keep beating each other up, you know. Like it looks like no one's going to survive it. Everybody's going to, you know, take a knock here and a knock there. And I'm wondering, you know, 
how that's going to affect the Big Ten as they get to NCAA tournament time. Well, I think you're seeing little inklings of it in the the RPI markup mock-up that gets uh, posted every day where the Pac-12's got more teams winning, a few teams at the bottom losing, and they're dotted all over the top 25. And since the Big 20, Big 12 has already beaten each other so much, and or sorry, the Big 10, and they're not, they didn't play any non-conference games. They're just going to float down if yeah. if every if the league is going to have parity, and the NCAA is going to use the RPI, it is really going to hurt the Big 10 not playing any non-conference games, and then everybody beating up each other. Yeah, for sure. And, then and I they're the we, ones. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. They're the ones playing the indoor games more than anyone else as well. Yeah, so that's yeah. going to help with upsets. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure. You know, some of those fields have to be relatively narrow and things like that too. You know, so um, we 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 have to mention the you know the St. Louis win over Arkansas because that's such a huge win for them. Oh, unbelievable. The an an unbelievable step toward if they happen to slip up in the in the A ten tournament and and have a one loss or an unbeaten regular season in front of it, they're gonna be a prime at large candidate with that level of win. And you know, they play Oklahoma State this week. Yeah. And there's nothing on St. Louis's profile. They, they obviously they played um some smaller teams in Arkansas, Oklahoma State to start, but they, they handled them very easily. Um, they're scoring goals. They're not allowing many. And Arkansas is as tough a team to play in a one-off if you don't see them all the time as there is in the country. It's a really, really impressive win. For sure. For sure. Great job by them. For sure. So, Brian, you wanted to have um, a team of the week, right? You wanted us to choose a team of the week this week. Is that that's right. Each week going forward now. Yeah, I feel like that's a good one. You go first. You want I got me to go first? In, okay. I got a couple in the proverbial Matt Hopper, I think he called it. <laughs> in the Hopper. All right, I'm going to go with the uh, with Tulsa. Oh, Tulsa with their first ever win over Central Florida. Been in the league together for close to 10 years now. Um, they've probably played, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 times, and their first ever win over over uh, UCF. So it's a it's a certainly was a big win for them. That's an excellent one. That was a fantastic win. Yeah, love it. Who you got? All right, I toyed around with a few. I thought it was a big weekend for Indiana. You mentioned Cal. Um, Indiana had the two Big Ten wins, including Rutgers, just a massive win. Um, I liked what Cal did, obviously. But you know who I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with the Ole Miss fighting black (laughs) bear, brown bear, brown bear, land shark lady rebels. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. They've got... They've got their neighborhood derby yeah. against a team that's, you know, profiled big favorite in the AAC, top five in the RPI at the time. Certainly it's had some really impressive early season showings, um, probably more impressive when you watch them than the results even. And uh, they went down to Oxford and and Coach Maud and the ladies took them down 3-1. Here, here's what I would like Matt to tell everybody, and I do not know the answer to this. So we all know Matt's a great motivational guy. He's unbelievable. Well, at least he tells us he is. Yes. Oh, I've seen some of them. They're, if they're not motivational. You've seen some too, Chris. You remember. If, if they're not motivational, at the very least, they're entertaining. Yes. So when he goes into halftime, they've just given up a goal to go, go down one nil on the last kick of the half. 
Um, and my vision of Matt is equal parts Alex Ferguson, okay. Herb Brooks, and Chris Farley doing his man down by the river. So I would like to hear how did he rally the troops at halftime to this huge win? Uh, it's a good question. Well, I would love to share it with you guys, but that's confidential information. You don't get to hear what goes on in the locker room. At halftime. Uh, I mean, the tactics that were flowing were just uh, at a level. I wouldn't do that to, to Memphis. I wouldn't certainly wouldn't yeah, do okay. that. Um, and I let everybody I know what we did. A, um, so. There's a lot of Ole Miss love on this. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that, guys. No, I didn't see that coming, Brian. I, I thought you were going to go with Cal. Two Oregon oh, wins, no. actually. But, I, I thought there were a you. bunch of good wins in the country, but I, yeah. I really, I'm getting sincere appreciate about that it. as well. Not just because you're one of the hosts. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, hoping no, I you milked you milk the cat or you did something along, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you'll never know, don't you? <laughs> you'll never know. All right, all the great secrets. <laughs> all right, Brian, well, uh, I think that'll do it. Chris, I was going to just bring up with Brian, and, yeah. and being the RPI guru that he is. Yes. Um, Brian, right. what's your right. takeaway on the A-10 um, playing three teams three times? For their season. So, in other words, St. Louis, we were just yes. talking about, they play St. Bonaventure, Duquesne, and Dayton three times. Yeah, it looks super How does that factor in? Well, right now they're in the top seven or eight in the RPI, but they have not mm-hmm. hit that stretch yet. Um, I have no idea. You know, if – I haven't looked in-depth enough at it. If Duquesne wins all their non-conference games and – St. Louis wins all their non-conference games, and Dayton wins all their non-conference games, and St. Bonnie wins theirs. It's going to work out pretty well, would be my guess, yeah. almost no matter who they play. But if one of those teams loses them all, it's going to be disaster. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's same same look as I'm fascinated to see what happens with the Big Ten. And, you know, the Pac-12's got some teams playing extra games that aren't conference games against yeah. their own conference. So they're doubling mm-hmm. up as well. Um you know, Pac-12 being a different story, that's going to be a struggle for a lot of them to be 500. If you start adding the UCLA's, I know Stanford lost last weekend, but Southern Cal, those are tough, tough, tough games. Um, but I, I have no idea how this is going to shake out for, for St. Louis. Well, talking to one of the RPI experts that I talked to this this week, he was saying that it's it, it's, it's interesting to me that uh, FSU is saying they're at 11 and no, and they're, you know, somewhere 8, 9, or 10, right, or whatever they are, 11, whatever. And you could take a team in any other league. So, you know, pick a league, any of the 33 leagues or whatever. And if they have a team that goes 11-0 and and only plays conference, they're going to have the exact same RPI as Florida State. Yeah, that's why the RPI is a joke this year. And if the committee uses it, they're really stupid. Okay. This is really <laughs> – I mean, it's, it's just – Well, really, how do you feel about this, Chris? In the it's series? just really <laughs> dumb. I, you know, the RPI is just a joke. Like, where we're spending all our time talking about an RPI that – isn't real and, and shouldn't be used, but hopefully, hopefully the committee will see that. Hopefully there'd be somebody on the committee who would be able to point that out to people. Uh, hopefully they'll, they'll get it all right. Let's hope yeah, the committee's listening. About, Let's hope the committee's listening. <laughs> um, is the 500 rule in effect? Well, that's a good question. I don't, I don't, I don't think it is. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that, but I don't think it is. You're on the damn committee. You don't know this shit. Come on. (laughs) You ask me questions nonstop and everything's confidential. I can't, I can't, 
tell you, Chris, I'd love to, but no. And that uh, rule, though, I don't think it is, Brian. I don't remember. That's not uh, confidential. I, I, would I know. I'm joking, way. Chris. Making a joke. Having some the, fun with the podcast. You know, College Soccer Nation is about fun and enjoyment. You know, he get, again, he gets so mean. Not about he, information. he gets so mean. It's not about information. He, gets so, he, he attacks me, Brian. Do you notice this? He attacks me. <laughs> I think, think I think the 500 rule is out, but I don't know that for sure. I will confirm, and I'll let okay. you know next week right. on the show. Uh, okay? right. I know awesome. people will be dying to know. Yes. Don't you think with 18 at-large bids, it the 500 rules out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be <laughs> really hard. It's going to be hard to come by. Yeah. yeah, we had some people saying, like, what if they only play four games? I said, guess what? If you're only playing four games, it's going to be really hard for you to get an at-large bid. <laughs> Unless you beat North Carolina twice and Florida State twice. All right. Then maybe you could get in, but – yeah. Anyway, I'm right. always looking forward to Shellis. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. I will. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Brian. Okay. I'm here with uh, my good friend Shellis Hyman. Um, everybody knows uh, Shellis. It's really not uh, doesn't need an introduction. Um, and if I tried to to list all of that, all of his accolades, we we'd be here for a long time. But um, a couple of things that stood out for me. Um, and Shellis, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on this. I see three Hall of Fames on your resume. Is that right? Or is there four? Three it is, yeah. Three it is. Three, uh, Eastern Illinois, SMU, and, and just recently uh, United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. Correct. Um, and over 500 wins, which is a, yes. a fantastic number. And um, I believe only five coaches in the NCAA have, uh, have ever done that. So uh, really happy to have with us uh, uh, Shellis Simon. Shellis, uh, welcome, welcome in, and 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 thanks for joining College Soccer Nation. Yes, it's definitely my pleasure. You and I go back a, a lot of years, and uh, we have a great friendship that I cherish, and and I'm really excited to be here with you. Yeah, this should this should be fun. I've been looking forward to this. So I thought we'd start out on um, on talking about your path to where you are now, but. But maybe starting even earlier, like you have a really interesting story about, you know, sort of how you ended up in the U.S. and and then you're, you know, obviously took off from there. But why don't you talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, that whole thing and, and how it all played out? Yeah, my my father is uh, is Portuguese, was raised in Shanghai. My mother is Russian, raised in Shanghai. So uh, in 1949, Mao Zedong took over uh, uh, China. Um, defeating Kang Thai Chek and my family, uh, because they were not uh, uh, pure-blooded Chinese, they uh, they moved to uh, Macau, China, where my grandmother was born, a Portuguese colony. And it's funny enough because I was one of the first first ones born in Macau, because my mother was uh, almost nine months pregnant with me, under a very very difficult environment. So uh, I was raised in Macau. And at a young age, we felt that uh, we needed to, to uh, leave China. It was getting a little bit uh, dangerous for non-Chinese. Um, even though it was a Portuguese colony, you just really didn't know. So uh, uh, the Catholic Church, who loved my grandmother, uh, put us on a ship. Uh, we were in, uh, in the barrel of the ship. And, and basically, my sister and I could go um, in, at nighttime, we could go to the duck to the deck and, and see the ocean and get some fresh air. But uh, they were really trying to hide us. And when we came to the United States, we came as refugees and, um, and was able to uh, do a little bit of refugee camp and then 
they put us in a place called Springfield, Ohio. Uh, and then we're, you know, unfortunately, you know, my father was killed. And uh, so it was a, it was a rough upbringing, uh, not having the language, not having really much, then uh, going to school, never really doing well in school because uh, I don't think I'm that gifted mentally, but, but more importantly, I just couldn't uh, get the language. Um, so um, the, the thing that really made me stand out in any, anything at that time was really sports. And it really, and, and I love soccer, but I, you know, but there wasn't anybody really playing soccer in Ohio except for ethnic groups. And, um, uh, but I like playing sports. I, I did well in track and field. I did well in uh, cross country, American football, uh, all those type of things. But my cousin, Patty Souza ended up taking me out to uh, play with the uh, Native Ice, which was a German ethnic group. And at 16, I was playing with them. And, and then I got a scholarship when I was 19. And that really started my, my uh, college experiences as well as um, getting my master's degree at Murray State from there. Went to Brazil for two years to, to kind of be in a country that soccer was a um, fantastic uh, environment and people wanted to play and they loved the game. Did a coaching course in Brazil. I came back for vacation. You know, it was really a vacation because I had a contract in Brazil. And uh, when I came back for vacation, my head soccer coach who I visited said, why don't you just come back here yeah, I'm going to retire in a year. Maybe you could be a candidate for the head coaching position. So around 27 years of age, I was a head coach at my alma mater, Eastern Illinois, where I played. And I loved it. I, I felt and still do feel like I'm one of the luckiest people in the world to be coaching soccer, uh, something that I love day in, day out. And uh, it's, it's been a really, really fun ride for me and uh, uh, found success not because I'm a great coach, but found success because I had really, really, really good players that uh, uh, played at a high level. And, and before you knew it, uh, we were successful at Eastern Illinois, went to the national championship three times, uh, twice in division two. And our first year, we, we made a move from division two to one and we end up in the final four losing wow. to UConn and uh, they win the national championship. And then a couple of years later, I got the job at Southern Methodist University hard decision to make because I left my alma mater uh, both my mother and father you know uh, were no longer living and it was you know my grandmother had passed and it was it was home for me it was so it was really hard to leave but uh, looking back at it Rico it was probably the best decision I ever made because uh, I got it be at a great school uh, in uh, 24 wonderful years uh, then as you know I moved on to the MLS Presently, I'm at Grand Canyon University, just getting ready to finish my last season um, as I announced my retirement at the end of uh, at, at the end of this spring. So it was a wonderful ride, probably very unusual for most people. Yeah. Uh, but I but I I am I still consider myself one of the luckiest people I know because I was able to to live and breathe this game throughout my whole adult. Yeah. It's a it's a, it's a very unique path, right? I mean, yeah, you don't you don't see very many people who who've had the kind of experiences that you've had and and went through the things that that you went through and and came out on top as well. I mean, certainly it, it was a difficult path. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, you're 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 kind of famous, obviously, for all your wins, but mm -hmm. also you know 
you're kind of a YouTube sensation on uh, on your martial <laughs> arts, right? <laughs> so you can go on YouTube and watch Shellis do some some crazy stuff uh, on martial arts. So um, you you have a, a specialty in the martial arts, correct? Yes, I do. You know, it's a uh, uh, it was something that you know in China everybody does the martial arts or they talk about the martial arts. Um, you know, you know, Rico, when I was young, I, uh, I really stood out, not for any good reasons, I just stood out. Um, I had blonde hair, I got blue eyes, and, you know, people looked at me strangely, even though I'm born in China. And, um, and so I was, uh, I would say I was picked on, you know, not, not because of any reason, except I was different. And my, my dad wanted me to uh, learn how to stand up for myself, which was uh -huh. kind of hard, <laughs> but, you know, uh, but uh, so I, I started some training in the martial arts and, um, and, and I just had a, a passion for it. And uh, I continued to do that when I came to the United States and, and found myself progressing really quite well, because again, the, it's amazing what you can do with your mind and your body if you if you're really committed to it. And I just loved it. And my sensei, uh, um, was uh, one of the best in the world. And he, he took me under his wings and I, I probably spent 35 years with him. And I learned a lot of things that uh, was kept very, very secretive. Uh, and he shared it with me, which I will always be indebted to. And then I started just teaching martial arts. I started fighting, you know, making the circuits. And, uh, and it was uh, uh, five nights a week teaching you know, fighting, uh, going any place in the country to get into a, a bout. And, um, and because of the arts was such a demanding, what they call a lot of key energy, internal energy, both defending yourself and, and attacking. I just, uh, I became pretty good at it and I, I truly enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and how, I, I, certainly it takes, you know, some some mental toughness, right, and yeah, and, uh, some discipline and things like that. How do you think it it's affect your coaching? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I never thought about it affecting my coaching, but but I know it has. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, mental toughness. Uh, you know, uh, for all of us, especially if you get into that uh, professional environment, uh, it takes a lot of mental toughness because um, when you when you win a game, everybody loves you. And when you lose a game, everybody uh, wants a replacement. It's yeah. no different uh, in the United States than it is any place else in the world. Um, so you need that mental toughness. Um, you have to have faith and confidence in yourself, which the martial arts does bring you. And then you have to be very disciplined. I think, I think my coaching is probably a, a, a form of mental toughness. Players you know, train hard, they play hard. Um, there, there's no excuses, you know, uh, credit the team that beat you and recognize that you, you beat yourself. Um, we try to be fit. You know, we don't want to be a team that's going to get run off the field because other teams are fit and we're not. And so there's a mental toughness of, of, um, of working hard uh, and realizing as hard as your work doesn't get you on the field, but it gives you in a heck of a lot better position to get on the field. You know, things don't go your way. Somebody's kicking you. They have the mental toughness not to let it uh, disturb your performance, upset you, and, and where you're getting a card. But I think a lot of a lot of what I believe in life is 
probably from the martial arts, yeah. you know, and, and also having a, a pretty difficult life as a, as a younger kid, you know, you find a way to get through it. Um, uh, early jobs that I had um, was, was delivering newspapers. And I was, and I was probably, when, when we came to the United States, I was probably the, the money winner. You know, I was the one who was making the money for the family. Can yeah. you imagine me being a, a stupid little kid delivering newspapers and, and having the, the, the mental toughness to go to people and say, hey, you owe two weeks, you know? <laughs> uh, and these adults are looking at you and they say, no, you, I don't, you know, we only owe you one week. And, and, I, and sometimes I made mistakes with my numbers, but I would not be uh, talked out of it. <laughs> uh, how about, um, you know, you spend all these years in, in college soccer and then you take this sort of uh, left turn into professional soccer in the MLS, mm. right? What, yeah. was that, what was that experience like? You know, the years I did college soccer, especially my earlier years at Eastern Illinois, I was really blessed to be at my alma mater that I love. I, Rico, I remember sitting on campus when we're, you know, almost every preseason just, just saying, God, how lucky am I? It wasn't that long ago I used to walk up and down this campus as a student. So I really appreciated all that. And then the success that I had in college and, and the people who really helped me were names like coaches like uh, uh, Bob Gauker at SIU, Harry Keough at St. Louis, Jack McKenzie at Quincy, Jerry Yagley at Indiana, because I was one of those young coaches yeah. that found early success and they, and they let me talk to them. They, they, they re, kind of guided, excuse me, guided me. So that was always important. <clears throat> then it came a toward in time to make a change. <clears throat> excuse me. That change came of venturing out in the professional world. So you're very content, you're very successful. You've had a great summer camp. Everything's going great for you. And, and you're willing to throw it all away so that you can test yourself at a professional level. And I, you know, there was, I was offered multiple opportunities to coach in the MOS. This was a good one because I didn't have to move. I could stay in Dallas. And, uh, and of course, the, the Hunt family, uh, I knew personally. So I felt very comfortable going that direction. I, I got a nice contract, you know, uh, all those things mattered. The change was the amount of pressure that's put on you to find success. And how do you find that success if you <clears throat> are taking over a team that's not very good? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, the reason I was brought in was the team wasn't very good. Right, right. You know, I was, uh, I was brought in in July. Uh, my wife and I are watching FC Dallas play LA. I left with about 20 minutes left on the clock. They were losing 5-0. I think they ended up losing 6-1. I get a call. Hey, I want to talk to you about the job. <clears throat> That's why I left early. I didn't really want to talk about the job. I wanted time to think about it. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was completely different. The college game did not prepare me for the professional game. Interesting. It, it was a learning on the job. Huh. <clears throat> it was nothing to do with tactics. It was nothing to do with the scheduling. It was nothing to do with the opposition. It had everything to do with player management. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, my, my mentality, mental toughness, discipline, all those type of things wasn't a great benefit, you know, benefit yeah. because the professional players are professional players. You know, yeah. it's, uh, they're going to do it their way and you're going to have to either 
uh, get them to buy in or you got to let them go and bring in people who, who are your kind of players. So that first year was a tough year. Uh, I gave myself two years to find success. And, uh, and we started finding that success. Of course, we ended up in the MLS finals and, and I got a great honor, coach of the year. And uh, David Ferreira, one of our the best players in the league, I think uh, was uh, player of the year. So we found great success. Uh, we found success beating Pumas. We were the first team to beat a Mexican team right. on Mexican soil. Yep. Um, so there were some fantastic moments and there were some difficult times, you know. Uh, for me, the, one of the hardest things was, was uh, not letting a player go because the player just wasn't good enough. Uh, the hardest thing was trading a player. Huh. So now you're dealing with a player that's married, a couple of kids in school, and you just uprooted their whole lives, you know, and, and they, they're, uh, I don't think they ever forgive you. <laughs> kind of yeah, mentality, sure. you know? but, yeah. but it's a different mentality. You're trying to win. You're trying to win at all costs. And you know, every day you go to work, could be your last day. Yeah. Um, it's it's like uh, living on top of a volcano. It's going to go off at some point in time, and, uh, and and there's some difficult times. I never realized how much it would affect my family, you know, uh, my children, sure. uh, my wife, because you know we understand the role we're in. We understand how how you're evaluating only your wins and losses, but you don't understand how much your family are in. in you know, because yeah. they hear people talking, they read yeah. the newspapers, they see the language. And um, uh, so that was a tough, tough time for yeah. us. And I did that for almost six years. Yeah. yeah. Um, along the way, you've been uh, highly involved in coaching education. I think it's where we spent most of our time together. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I really enjoyed watching you work in those environments and, and learned a ton from you in, in those environments, but you continue to do it um, and you continue to be involved. And uh, talk to me a little bit about sort of why do you do it and, and why do you continue to do it? And, you know, how, how does it, how, uh, what motivates you with coaching education? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I think it, it always goes back to a moment in time uh, why you do what you do. For me, that moment in time was, was, was when I was young and it, it was very difficult to get, uh, get anywhere. Uh, coming to the United States was difficult to get anywhere. You know, my athleticism uh, got me, hey, at least had some favorable comments made about me. Um, and then I was one of those guys that probably, if I had to put one thing on it, it was my high school coaches who believed in me and they coached me. They were my father figures. They were the ones, uh, when I took the job at FC Dallas, I called my high school coaches and asked their advice because they were, the, they were that important in my life. They educated me not only as a coach, uh, not that they were soccer people, but coaching philosophy, but they educated me as a person. And, um, uh, Coaching education gives me that opportunity to give back to, you know, when you think about it, Rico, you and I probably have done, I'm still doing it, but what we, we probably have influenced close to four or 5,000 people in coaching education. And every one of those people we're connected to. I still get calls from people. Hey, I had you in 1995 <laughs> at, in uh, uh, Boca Raton, you know, or, or whatever, because you, 
because you are connected. It's like a connection that we have with our players that we have forever. But in coaching education, we have a connection with people that we spend a week with. And, we, and our whole purpose was to try to make them better coaches. And before the word, uh, the key word of mentoring, we were mentoring them. They think a lot of us, you know, we're supposed to be the experts. And, and when they call and say, hey, you know what? Um, it's now time for my son to go to college. What do you think? Da, da, da. So it goes in a lot of different topics. But I think it's the personal satisfaction that we have that we're influencing someone, hopefully in a positive way, <laughs> but we're influencing someone and that relationship is everlasting, you know? And yeah. uh, I, I really, really enjoy that. If I tell you in my, in my years when the martial arts, where I've trained five nights a week, uh, sometimes four, four hours a night, and the number of people that have come through in those 35 years, I may remember only 10 people. Isn't that amazing? Mm. I will remember 10 people by names. Right. And it's because they've been with me 18, 20 years. And it's the same thing with coaching education. You know, I only remember a few people, right. but I'm connected with every mm. one of them. All they have to say is I had you as an instructor and now we're connected, you know, and I, I want to give them everything that I, that I can give them. So I, I love coaching education. Um, I've never refused an assignment. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, I'm hoping that when, when I go into my retirement that I will still be involved in some type of education. And you know, I did uh, the, the Shellis Hyman coaching clinics for 14 years in Dallas. And even when I was a professional coach, because I felt like this was an opportunity to hopefully influence people to be coaches and the right. little bit that I can share with them, they can use. Yeah. Those, those were uh, always fun to, to attend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, sort of your, your coaching uh, tactics. Um, huh? Get into a little bit of like, you know, I know for a long time you were a real kind of a four, four, two guy, right? And yeah. That's still true. Is that still how your team is playing? You know, it's funny. <clears throat> I'm trying to find my team to play a 4-4-2. <laughs> trying to get them into a 4-4-2. We, uh, we had a, a unique situation this year. We had a player that tested positive for coronavirus. And, uh, and then when they did an echo exam on his heart, they found something not completely in rhythm. Right. Now, he might have had that before coronavirus, but sure. we don't know. So he's been uh, 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 not playing this, this uh, season for all the right reasons, but he was our striker. And so we were, we had two strikers and I thought we would really, really be a good team this year. So since that date, I've been training another player to be a striker. So I can go into a four, four, two. I know that system inside out. I'm one of those coaches that if, if it works for me, I try to, I can, I try to continue to use it. Uh, we've yet to play a four, four, two um, for the last three or four years, because we haven't had the, the yeah. right players. Right. You know, do the players make the system or does the coach make the system? And I think uh, I think it always goes back to the players. Right. Uh, uh, I've done a lot of clinics, uh, a lot of uh, videos on the 442. So I think it's probably the system I know the best. Um, uh, I like the, the strengths of the 442. It's an um, easy system to understand for coaches as, as well as for players. Uh, it's a mirror image, one side, the right side to the left side. So it's an easy system to kind of get in and understand your roles. Uh, 
your attacking, your defending roles. And when you think about the college season, it's a short season. And if you're in a short season, the quicker players understand the roles, uh, the, uh, and both uh, defensively and attacking, uh, the, the quicker you'll find results. It's also a good system to use for high school coaches who have a short season as well. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you look across the country, less and less teams are playing it. But some of the best teams in the world are playing it. Yeah. You know? But yeah. you just have to have the personnel and you have to figure out the key thing with the 442 is you have to figure out how to deal with the three central midfielders. Right. And there's ways to doing that tactically. You just have to have the players kind of fit in. When, when I was coaching, there was a, a position on the field that's called a sweeper. Right. One of the best sweepers in the world was a, a player named Franz Beckenbauer. Yeah. I played on a team with a sweeper. I coached on a team with a sweeper. And then when I started, then there was that evolution. Players I were bringing in defensively, not only did they not play a sweeper, they never heard of the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now you're going to have to go in a flat back four or whatever, right. but you, it's no longer a sweeper. Uh, I think the four four two is getting more and more like that. You know, players are playing different system, four three three, four two three one, whatever it is. Uh, and what's happening is less and less teams uh, play the four four two. So. Uh, but you just have to figure out your tactic, how you're going to deal with those, those three guys in the center of the field. Right. And, and but those those systems that you're mentioning, you know, and especially 433, they were built to counter the 443, yeah. right? To put the three in yeah. against the two. And 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 basically what happens is it worked relatively well. So a lot more people start playing it. Right? Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. You know, and I think uh a 4-3-3 system really brings a lot out of your individual players. Or does. Because, because you not only have three attacking players, but you're going to be, a lot of times, man-to-man -man marking. Yeah. You know, and that's, that puts a lot of pressure on your defenders. Yeah. And if, you, if one of your back fours decide to go forward, you still have that integrity of at least having three players in the mm -hmm. back to match to match up against the three front runners. But, you know, uh, I don't know where I read it, but yeah, I, I think, you know, the, do the players make the system or does the system make the players? Right. That, that is a never ending conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, so I, you know, I, I think tactics are very, very important. Um, I'm finding, you know, I have my list of, of maybe 15 things that I want done in preseason so that we can walk into a match and nobody really be surprised. Uh, defending corner kicks. Sure. If you don't have, if you haven't trained in defending corner kicks before your first match, you better hope they don't get any corner kicks yeah. <laughs> because you're not organized. You don't know how to handle it. Right. But uh, uh, the thing that's starting to become more and more evident that needs more and more time is team shape. Yeah. And if you spend more and more time in team shape, then you got to have a system of play. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, I spent, uh, I, I love the, the tactical part. And, yeah. and um, you know what, we, we just had a wonderful game against uh, San Jose State University uh, this past weekend. And, and uh, we dominated the game early, I think 10 shots to two, but 
but uh, we only was up one, one zero. They came back and got us a little bit on a counterattack, one one. Second half comes around. They score on their first shot in the second half, and now we're down two one. But I had been preparing my team to go in a four four two. So the last fifteen minutes we went in a four four two, and be, with that extra attacking player. And what does a team do when they're winning by one goal with, with 12 minutes left? They're going to sit back and defend, aren't they? Yeah. And, and with that tactic, we end up picking up two, two penalty kicks. Yeah. The balls are now in the box. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of nervousness. People are tired. And they're both for penalty kicks. But I, don't, I think if we had not prepared to go into a 4-4-2, I couldn't have done it. Yeah. You know? So it's preparing your team for the what-if situation. It's great what happens works. when you're down a man, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and I learned in, uh, with FC Dallas, you know, that uh, uh, playing so many games, whether it's accumulation of yellow cards or you know, a player that's emotional, you know, uh, because it's the way he plays in his country, he's very emotional, ends up with a red card. Is You can't adjust the tactics at that moment. Right. You have to prepare for that red card in training. Yeah. Or playing up a man how do you play so i i, I love tactics and um uh, uh i think uh the game is changing so much that more and more educated coaches are out there coaching today uh the more and more qualified coaches there are more and more licensed coaches uh or the diploma coaches out there i i think it's 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 really turning into more and more of a chess match as absolutely. you play absolutely let's um Let's talk a little bit about um, your coaching tree. You know, we've had we've had some of these guys on uh, yeah. on the show, and 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 they've been fantastic. Had and had wonderful things to say about their experiences with you, and and very thankful for for the things that you've done. But talk to us about some of the people that along the way you've you've mentored. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I think probably one of the one one of the key people for me. Uh, special people was a guy named Kevin Grimes, who's coaching at Cal Berkeley. Uh, Kevin came to me as an assistant, and he went on and coached at Berkeley for over 20 years. and And he plays one of the a very good conference out there, and uh, has found great success. Just a wonderful man, played professionally, uh, great communicator, um, and uh, I'm, I'm really pleased with with his progress and how the great players he's turning out. A lot of his players are playing today in the MLS. Um, uh, you know, Alan Kirkup, you know, who, yeah. who, who I brought in and uh, Alan was with my assistant at East Illinois. When I took the job at SMU, he followed me. And uh, when they started a women's program at SMU, I, you know, I encouraged him to go for that position. Um, uh, today, I, I believe he's uh, working at University of Florida as an assistant coach, found finding great success. Yes. I, you know, one, one time was the head coach at SMU, head coach at Maryland. Uh, Mark Francis, who you you know, uh, mm -hmm. Mark played for me at SMU. I, start, I, I found him in England. He came, played one year with me at Eastern Illinois. And uh, then he followed me to SMU. And um, uh, he came in on a foreign student scholarship so he could find a daily eligibility at SMU. Uh, was able to put him on a scholarship. And he's a wonderful young man who coached youth soccer, coach out at, uh, I think, uh, University of Alabama, Huntsville, maybe, or Alabama area. And then now he's a women's coach at uh, uh, Kansas, mm -hmm. uh, doing great. Uh, 
um, uh, a guy that played with me my first year that I coached, and you won't know this name because he's Canadian, a guy named Ross Ongaro. Ross was a fantastic player. He came out of uh, Edmonton, and he was a striker, uh, fantastic athletic ability, great goal scorer, loves the game. And Ross is uh, coaching high school soccer up in Edmonton, started his own club team up in Edmonton, but more importantly, he's a FIFA coach. Wow. So he's uh, coaching, yeah, for I think 12 years he's been a FIFA coach, and he goes all over the world uh, coaching for FIFA. And uh, just a wonderful young man. Um, and then uh, another name you know is Brent Irwin. Sure. You know, when I brought Brent in, he, yeah. he's been my assistant for many, many years. He's also uh, uh, was a head women's coach. Well, he was the head men's coach at the University of Central Florida. Then he moved to SMU with the women's team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Worked worked again with SMU's men's team under Tim McClements, and then uh, I brought him on to FC Dallas with me. Yeah, and uh, and then came with me to Grand Canyon University. So he's been with me probably the longest. And today he's he's the president of uh, uh, Real Salt Lake Serena down here. In, great, in, great out there. Yeah, yeah and, and 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 the extremely hardworking. I think that's the one thing everybody that's worked with me is hardworking, you yeah. know, because I think I'm hardworking. I don't take shortcuts. Um, I, I try to be as organized as I can be. Uh, I realize again, going back, I'm how lucky I am doing what I'm doing. And, and Brent uh, was one of those guys, an early guy was Gary Parsons, who uh, <clears throat> was with me at East Illinois, went on at, at Oakland University. Yeah. He's now working with a, with a professional team up in Detroit. So, you know, I've, I've been really some good, good people. And it's funny because I'm, I'm just working uh, with Tim Shum on a, on a book. And that was one of the questions he asked me. I think I came up with about 40 names, you know, <laughs> people that are coaching club soccer and high school soccer. But these are some of the names you will know. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, you, uh, you announced just recently that this would be your last season. Um, has to be, uh, you know, had to be a difficult decision, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I want you to, you know, maybe take us through that process of, of um, your decision making and, and also what's the next chapter look like for you? Mm. Well, uh, it was a difficult decision. It's, it still is. Um, one of the hardest decisions I ever made in my life was leaving Eastern Illinois and going to SMU. I don't think people realize how difficult it was for me. Um, because I loved Eastern Illinois. It was my, my home. Uh, I played there uh, for four years, coached there for seven years, got, got um, a master's degree there. Probably when you put it all together, it was probably 12, 13 years. That was home. I loved it there. I loved the, the, the professors there. I loved the campus. Uh, when I made a decision to leave, there were, there were reasons why I left none of them were soccer reasons. <laughs> they, they were more, uh, as Bill Bezik taught me, the three Ps. You know, to be happy in a job, you need those three Ps. The first P is purpose. Well, our purpose is to be coaching, you know, uh, a college team. So I, I was coaching as a college team. They were the best team. I mean, our first year in Division One, we went to the Final Four. It was a good, good team. Yeah. Okay, the, the second P is place. East Illinois was the right place. I was happy with that place. I was home. 
The third T, and you need all three or else you're going to look for another job, is uh, people. And uh, things change, you know, leadership change, uh, environment change, that, that great home feeling I didn't feel. And so that was the, the reason I left. And, uh, uh, and it was probably one of the best, uh, best decisions I ever made was leaving. But Rico, when I left, I'll never forget this. I had to go to the soccer field because I was driving to, to Texas with my car. I had to go to the soccer field to say goodbye to all the memories as a player and as a coach. And I'm not embarrassed to say this. Tears came down my eyes. It was such a hard decision. Yeah. When I left SMU, I didn't have to leave town. I still had all yeah. my friends. Yeah. You being one of them. Yeah. yeah. I had all my friends. You know, it was a, uh, uh, it was a, I was leaving SMU, but I wasn't leaving Dallas. Sure. I was just changing my location of work. When I left Dallas to go to Grand Canyon University, I was really only looking at doing this for a year. I made a commitment for one year, even though I had a four-year contract, there were, there were opportunities for me to go to other places. I felt like the purpose was there, trying to make soccer relevant. I thought uh, uh, the place was right and beautiful. Have you ever been down to Scottsdale, Arizona? It's beautiful. Yeah. Otherwise, <clears throat> and then things change with people. And, uh, and I thought it was about time to maybe make a change. And so it was a difficult, difficult decision. I feel very good about it. I don't sit there and question myself anymore, saying, am I doing the right thing? I think I'm doing the right thing. Um, but the thing that's scary is what's next. Yeah. You know, uh, you stole my idea. I was going to do the Shellis Hyman podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't, I I don't see that happening. No, I no, no, I don't think enough people would Except, give it you know, maybe. <laughs> You could, you, you know, what you could do is you could write uh, like a joke book. Maybe you could yeah, do joke that. Joke book, I could do. <laughs> as bad as they are, somebody would buy it and laugh about it. But uh, no, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Uh, I've been asked to do some things, and and uh, uh, a, a friend of mine, Hank Schreibrecker, said this to me. He says, "Shellis, when you retire, I, I suggest you to take three months and do nothing. Then you'll know what you want to do if you want to do something." Yeah. So. Uh, the big thing for me is, is be around my family. You know, they're all in Texas or, or in San Antonio, Texas. I want to be around them. <clears throat> I want to do more things for me, not for others. Uh, coaching, you're, you're really working with other people. Uh, martial arts, you're really working with other people. And there's an expense to that. Uh, the, the four or five nights a week, I was teaching martial arts from six to 10 at night. Uh, I didn't have time with my family. Yeah. God, how stupid was I to, to not realize that uh, I, I would miss them when, when I got older. Yeah. So there was moments that we, I can't recover. I tell the story to people about this, Rico, and it is big differences coaching collegiate soccer and coaching professional soccer. Right. One of those reasons, uh, big difference, is that time involvement. The, the first year I coached, I had um, Christmas off and I had New Year's off. The rest of the time, I'm working 132 nights in a hotel room. In a hotel room. 
yeah. all over the world looking for players. You're away from your family. My daughter, who was going to high school at Highland Park, came to me her senior year and said to me, Dad, will you promise me one thing? I said, absolutely. Yeah, my daughter, I'll do whatever, whatever you need if I can do it. Will you promise me you'll be at my high school graduation? Think about that question. Yeah. Will you be at my high school graduation? Oh, the only thing I can think of that could be more important would, will you be at my wedding? Yeah. Will you be with me when I have my first child? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much up there, isn't it? Right. High school yeah, graduation. Yeah. And I, and I was offended. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Of course I'll be there. You're my daughter. I love you to death. Don't tell your brother and sister, but you're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. Anyway, um, and then about 20 minutes later, I had to come back and say, sweetheart, I didn't even think about this. We haven't got our, our MLS schedule yet. It's going to come out in about three weeks. It might be Saturday night game somewhere. Right. And, I, and I'll have to be at that game. You know that. Yes, Dad, I know, I know. And then before she let me get off the, 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 the wobbling street, she says to me, Dad, just so you know, you haven't been to one of my high school events yet. And she's a senior in high school. Oh. Sometimes things happen right in front of us and we don't see it. Yeah. But we're focusing on what? For the next game. Yeah, for sure. And, and I missed it. And so that is time I can't ever make up. And I don't want to be on my deathbed saying, God, I wasted so much time. The most important people to me are my family. And I put so much time into my job, yeah. into other people. And uh, so I'm going to try to get that balancing act better and, um, you know, make up for lost time if I can. Oh, that's great. The one, the one problem you're going to have, and I think it would be wonderful that you get to spend more time with your with your family. But I'm pretty sure you're going to drive your wife crazy. I, I think <laughs> your wife's looking forward to you having more time. We've already had that conversation <laughs> more times than you think. Uh, but we had a trial run with all this coronavirus. That's right. Because <laughs> I was, you know, they go okay. We, How'd it go? <laughs> not very good at all. <laughs> I, I understand why some people buy places with two bedrooms, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it's, it is tough. And it's not just because I'm driving her crazy. It's that uh, our spouses have their own lives. Sure they do. Yeah. While we're working and we're traveling, they have their own cliques and uh, yeah. she's a big tennis person. So she has her own life. And um, so um, I'm going to find something to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I tell people, I'm gonna, I won't be coaching, but soccer will always be in my blood. It will yeah. always be important to me. I would like to volunteer a lot. I would like to um, uh, help in any manner I can. And, and, but it has to be on my schedule, not on you know a yeah. coach's club team. And by the way, you're going to train three nights a week and you're going to have to play every weekend. I, I don't think I'm up for that. But you know, I think I have too much experience and too much knowledge not to show up and be a volunteer and help out. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, well, I think there'll be plenty of opportunities for you. I mean, certainly the, the knowledge that you have and the passion that you have and the experience that you have is, is irreplaceable. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities for you to do 
as much or as little as you want. And, and, you know, I wish you, wish you great luck and, and success in, uh, in that part of your life. And i um, excited you're coming back to Dallas. Um, yeah. Excited to, that we're going to get to see you some more, but I want to thank you for, for joining us tonight. I think this has been a, a really fun conversation and uh, I'm sure people are going to enjoy listening to it. Well, thank you. Thanks for thinking about me. And um, I know I was one of the uh, last resorts you had, but <laughs> my, my ego is still big enough and get through this. <laughs> All right, Shellis. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye. Give my best to everyone. Okay, Matt, what are we, uh, what are we looking forward to this week? What do we, what do we got on the uh, docket? What's happening? Yeah. You know what I'm hoping is the weather's going to start getting a little better around here. We have had it rough. Let me tell you, it's, we went from, we went, get this, Chris, we went from snowstorm, right? The backed up the thing that came, you know, most of the weather comes from Dallas over to Mississippi. And then we went from within like two days, we went from a uh, snowstorm into a tornado watches and tornado warnings with terrible weather and like 70 degrees. So hopefully it starts, we're hitting March. Hopefully the weather starts to get better, but you know, we've got a big game on Saturday against Georgia. Looking forward to, uh, we're actually, Chris, I should have brought this up with Brian. We're we're playing at Montevallo. How about that? University of Montevallo. So they're hosting us. We tried to find somewhere, a neutral site that was kind of halfway between us and Georgia and Montevallo was very gracious to host us. I spent many, many nights uh, and days there in Montevallo, certainly at, at, that, at that game field. So it's kind of exciting, I think, to go oh, and play there. Fun. Yeah, I'm fun. hoping they give me a golf cart to sit on. You know, drive it down and get some Diet Cokes, won't yeah, you? Yeah, and drive down to the, the gas station and get a Diet Coke. So yeah. uh, what are you looking forward to, Chris? Well, hopefully we're going to play. We're supposed yeah. to be in Philadelphia um, and, and, and play in Temple. So you know, it's been been a long, long time for us since we've, since we've had a game. So we're getting closer um, you know, anything can happen between now and then. Um, <laughs> but, but we are getting closer and, and I know our kids are dying to play. They're, they're dying to play a game. That's, sure. so that's what, that's really the big thing for us. Yeah. Um, some big games this week. And yeah. That's something, you know, something we should be, uh, we obviously are looking forward to. And again, I always say they're big games this week, maybe because uh-huh. who knows if they are actually going to come off. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I highlighted a few for us, Penn state and Indiana, Indiana with the, the good start, Penn state yep. traditional power. Um, and Penn state good start Baylor. too. I mean, they've got the loss, but yeah. there we got it back rolling. It looked like this week. For so sure. yeah. Yep. TC Baylor. Yeah. TCU Baylor both playing for the first time, uh, you know, this spring uh, zero, zero, the first time they played. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. So that should be a good one. Um mm-hmm. Arizona State coming off the big upset of USC will play Washington State, who's done done quite well so far. Yeah, you know, with Washington State, it's interesting. I'm anxious to to see how they do. You know, they lost a huge senior class and obviously a couple of really big time players for them that got them into the Final Four. But uh, Todd's doing a really good job out there, and and uh, I'd be anxious to see how they. You know, and they they had Rodman, and now they don't have her, right? Yeah. Um, so how how do they look? Sure. Um, but yeah, good game for sure. And then the big game of the the week for, yes. for college soccer nation is Rice in North Texas. I mean that's the that's the top of Conference USA. I think that whoever wins that is uh, in the driver's seat. Conference. Yeah, USA. gonna be looking pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're both undefeated. No, no. I guess North Texas lost one, but no, North uh, Texas lost. Yeah, lost A and M, didn't they? Lost A and M, won nothing. Uh, exhibition. Exhibition? exhibition. Exhibition. Okay, so yeah, so they're undefeated too. Yeah. yeah, good. No, I mean, every every league now is, I think that's playing, is up and rolling. Right? Everybody's so, rolling. Yeah. 
Uh, good, good games. All right, it's uh, it's Power Five time, Chris. This is a another fun one. I enjoyed it. Um, trying to kind of figure out who I think is powerful women in the uh, music industry. So, did you ask your daughter? Tell the truth. <laughs> Tell the truth. No, I didn't. Go I on. Should have. Maybe a little bit. She might. She might have gave me a. Nah, she really didn't. She, you know, she likes all the. Pop kids. I'm not a pop person. I, right. I like I like a nice ballad. I'll sing a couple of these for you, Chris, if you want. All right. All right. All right. Let's go. Number five. You go first. All right. Here we go. I'm going to start. Yep. I'm going to start. I'm going to hit you with the singer just from the start. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Janis Joplin. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, is this one of those w- weeks where you're just going to throw it? Right. I mean, just give me. I haven't won one in a while. Is so you feel one of the best songs. One of the best. It's songs. a good song. But Janis Joplin, she's a freak show. No That's offense, of course. A freak show. This is she's a freak show. show. She, I bet she lived in Austin at some point, didn't she? Uh, she, uh, she might. Keep Austin weird. I wouldn't be surprised. All right, my number five, a little different than Janis Joplin. Yeah. My number five, Dolly Parton. Oh God! <laughs> what do you? Oh God! She's awesome. Awesome legend. Name legend. name name three songs. Go ahead. This is the kind of stuff you hit me. With. Islands in the stream. Ever heard of it? That is what we are. <laughs> no one in between. How can we be wrong? All right, number four, go ahead. Number four. <laughs> Our producer's disgusting. <laughs> number four. Number four, with, yeah. With a little bit of a soccer tie to it, right? And I think that that had something soccer to do with Soccer tie. Yeah. Shakira. Okay. Nah, see, that's not fair. That's my player's uh, uh, cousin. Okay. What do you mean it's not fair? <laughs> Just because it's your player's cousin. She, I can't uh, you, you can, but she's not top five. You got to be kidding of me. Of course Chris. she is. Top five ever? Yes. Shakira? Have you Shakira, watched her? Shakira, Shakira. Right, sing me, sing me a song. Dancing. Yeah, she can dance. Sing yes. me a song. Sing me a song for it's Shakira. performers. We said performers, right? <laughs> Artists. All right, my number four. Yeah. Beyonce. I got her on my list. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. Yeah, yeah I, I can keep singing the songs. Man. Really, and and I don't know if it's it's really because of uh, the singing. It's her performance in Goldmember when she was classically <laughs> Apache, right? <laughs> oh God! All right, number three. Number three, Stevie Nicks. What? You don't even know who that is, do you? Of course I know who Stevie Nicks is, but she's not top five either. Of course. She's she worse is. than Janis Joplin. <laughs> wow, you're throwing this. My not. number three? How about my number three? You ever heard of this one? Madonna? I have her on my list. Every, oh, see? 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 Like a virgin. <laughs> Woo! It's a good song, too. All right, number two for you. Right, so my you've, you've named my next two, Beyonce and Madonna as a number one. The material girl has to be number one. No, 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 no. So my number two? Yeah. Celine Dion. Oh, God, no. The heart will go on. What? No. Oh, God, are you serious right now, no, Chris? No. Celine Dion? No. Titanic? No. He is unbelievable. And then my number, you, your number one, Madonna's great. I love Madonna. But how can your number one, how can any number one, how can any list be out there without Whitney Houston? Yeah, I had her. Only you had her? You didn't, she didn't make your top five? She didn't, and I'll tell you why. Okay. She sang the national anthem. Right? Unbelievable. Yeah, that's it, though. There's not, there's not, oh, Chris, 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 Chris. You know what? I'm not even going to sing Whitney, one of Whitney's songs because I can't do it justice because she's so unbelievable. I would love for you to do that. Go for it. 
No, 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 no. There's so many that I would do too. And I, oh, sorry. All right. Um, all right. I think I, I think I clean swept that one. Oh, Darren does have a comment. He said he wasn't going to comment on this, but he has a comment. I'd just like to say I'm offering my resignation as producer of this podcast. Effectively, so. How much money have either of you spent on anybody on your list? How much money? Yeah, have you ever bought? I got, I got a whole. I have a whole soundtrack of Whitney Houston and Celine Dion. Thank yeah. you very little. Fair enough. Do you ever listen to it? Love it. You don't listen. My to daughter, it. my daughter, and I sing it all the time. I don't believe it. Are we okay? I'm telling you. All right, let's move on. We all right, what are we doing now? Up. You keep changing this next segment. I don't. I don't know what to TV put down. series recommendations. TV series. I got to change that on the script. You, you yeah, me you up. do. Yeah. yeah. All right. So two good ones for you this week. One, the the uh, you know we did Cheers last week. So the comedy, I got The Office, which if you haven't seen The Office, what have you been doing? It's fantastic. Tons of seasons. I like the earlier seasons much better with Michael, but they're all good. Just brilliant show. And then uh, the uh, the kind of the more serious but really, really good uh, on Paramount, Yellowstone. You seen Yellowstone yet, Chris? No, I have not. Oh, man, it's good. It's money. Four seasons, three seasons. The fourth one's coming out. It's really good. It's All really, right. really good. So, yeah, about Cowboys and uh, <laughs> Kevin Costner's in it. It's really good. Very good. Okay, well, we've got this one on a wrap. Let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks to our producer, DJM Productions, even though he wants to resign. <laughs> I don't think we could find anybody else that would do this, Chris. Um, you know, thanks for everybody listening. Again, sorry we're a day late. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed Chellis. And uh, we will see you next week. College Soccer is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.